Welcome to the Wednesday Bible Study right here at the Rick and Bubba Broadcast Plaza and Teleport. We are in pursuit of holiness by Jerry Bridges. Uh, today we will be working with what what number win, guys? This will be number thirteen. Number 13, I do have some announcements and then we'll open in prayer. Uh, if you are here today, and uh, I do want to make you aware that we have an opportunity. I've mentioned this uh, through the men of Shades uh, Mountain Baptist Church. Uh, you don't have to be a member of Shades Mountain to participate in this if you want to. Uh, but a great opportunity that's coming up on uh, August the 26th. That is a Monday. And we're uh, getting together with Challenge Golf, and uh, we've gotten with Greystone Country Club, and we have an opportunity for you to invite an unchurched man and then tell that man to bring a friend, and they can play Greystone at no charge. Uh, it'll be a two-man scramble, uh, and what you can do, even if you can't be there, what you can do is be their caddy. Now, you're not going to be toting golf clubs or anything like that. It's all going to be in carts. You'd just be driving a cart with them and basically serving them for the day. What do they need? You need something to drink? You need this? You can converse with them throughout uh, the tournament. It'll be set up just like a real invitational tournament. It'll be a blast. They'll get a lunch. They'll also get a dinner. Greg Powers, uh, who is a, a, a professional golfer, will give his testimony at lunch. He'll finish it at dinner, and then I'll do a gospel presentation. Uh, and so that opportunity uh, is available to you, and you can, um, if you want to, uh, Tommy Duramus is the person to contact if you're uh, one of the men of Shades Mountain Baptist Church. But we need your person by August the 9th. We need your person by August the 9th. Uh, and if you have anybody and you want me to give you Tommy Duramus' contact number, I certainly will. Uh, but again, we'd like for you to caddy that day if you can. But if you can't, then we'll provide them a caddy. We really need the golfer more than anything, and the golfer gets to bring a friend. Uh, so that's a great opportunity for maybe some of you guys have been trying to witness to somebody, and you're like, you know, I, I, I'm not sure I'm as comfortable as I want to be with that yet. This would be a good opportunity just to say, how would you like to play Greystone for free? And they will get a gospel presentation while you just give them a great day. So that's something to consider. Uh, also, and I'll probably reference today because reference this today. Remember, we have a new devotional uh, that we have out. This is How to Be a Man, the second one. Uh, the first one was The Pursuit of Christ-Centered Masculinity. It, de it dealt with eight characteristics the Bible said should uh, be found in every man of God. We look at that as the best example of how to be a man is when God became one, incarnate to the person of Jesus. This one is learning from real men of the Bible. So there's eight men of the Bible who are heroes of the faith, and we spend five days on each man. Uh, so that, uh, that is the latest one is available. You can get that at rickandbubba.com uh, in, in, in the store, and we'll probably do that uh, in one of our upcoming Bible studies. So there's, there's what's before you, a couple of announcements. Now let's open in prayer. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for uh, the obedience of Jerry Bridges to take these things from your word and, and to lay them out in a way that we can consume them. Uh, Lord, this has been a challenging study. It will be challenging again today. Uh, Lord, I pray for those that are here that are hurting. I pray for the many situations that are going on. We certainly pray for uh, from our church, our pastor, as uh, he and his family are laying to rest his, uh, his wonderful mother this week. Be with them during this time of celebration, uh, but also grieving. Uh, and Lord, I, I pray today for, for Bill, and, uh, who's one of our members here today. Uh, Karen has gotten some news about her health. I pray, Lord, that you'll be with those doctors. I pray this turns out to be nothing more than something that can be repaired easily. Uh, that uh, there be no cancer involved in this. And, and I pray, Lord, that you continue to, uh, to to just refine us into the men that only you can make us as we unpack your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so if you have your Bible or something with your Bible on it, let's go to Philippians 2, Philippians 2, 13. So we, we talked about two weeks ago, holiness in the body. Uh, last week, we talked about holiness in the spirit. Uh, and this week, we're going to talk about holiness and our will. Our, our, our desires, our will. This, is a, this has got some really, really deep, good stuff, but I think this is in one of those chapters as we continue to grow and understand our fallen state and the, redeem, the redemption found in Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to take us back to what God had always intended. So here's what Paul says, uh, writing to Philippi from jail. He says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to act according to His good purpose. 
Uh, because first of all, if you think about what Paul's saying here, he says it's God who's going to work both to your will. We talked about that a lot. Because if your desire to act according to his good pers pers purpose isn't there, if you don't ever have the desire... Uh, then we can't even we can't even get to to to, to, to uh, the first step. So he's going to give you the desire. He's going to change your will to have a will what for his will as opposed to our own. So Jerry goes on to say this. He says it is the will that ultimately makes each individual individual choice of whether we will sin or obey. He said, you, if, you, if you can't get the will right, uh, then you're not going to make the right choices. It is the will that chooses to yield to the temptation or to say no. He said, our will then ultimately determines our moral destiny. He said, if it's the will that's going to make these decisions, you've got to get the will right. Because this is your, your, your best chance at success is to get your will under the authority of Christ. He said, whether we will to be holy are unholy in our character and our conduct. I want you to think about this for a minute. I know for some people uh, th this is one of those statements that Christ has made that has caused all sorts of theological arguments and all that. But today, let's take all that stuff and put it aside and let's just simply read this for what it just says, okay? Because today we're talking about our will, and, uh, you know, there's some people that, that's, that's, that think that, you know, that our will is, uh, doesn't have a play and what part do we play, what part does God play, and all that certainly can be entertaining. But I think we just need to take the Bible and what Jesus says, uh, you know, on face value and then apply it to our lives and maybe just do what it says. How about that? Uh, so if you have your Bible, go to Matthew 23. Matthew 23, and then I want you to look at verse 37. Matthew 23, 37. I learned this verse from my grandmother and my memo. I've never forgotten this. Uh, so here is Jesus, and he's crying over Jerusalem because he realizes that Jerusalem, his people, they have rejected him as Messiah. Okay, I am the prophesied Messiah. He, he, he shows them this over and over again. This has been rejected. And here's what he says. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stone those who are sent to it, how often I would have gathered you together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you would not. If, if you look at some of the other English translations, Jesus says, but you were not willing. You weren't willing to accept me as Messiah, and I really wish the things that are now going to come down on you, that's not what I preferred. And he says, I would have rather gather you together as a hen gathers her broods under her wings, what? To protect them, but you were not willing. Your, your will was to reject me. So again, he says, the, the, Jerusalem's will decided against him. Uh, and he knows what's coming. And, um, and, and it, it, when my grandmother first told me about it, she talked about a missionary that was in the Serengeti and he found this large African bird. I, I would have just called it a chicken probably, but it was, much, it was much more complicated than that. And the Serengeti, you know, a lot of times has these brush fires and that had happened and it said that this female uh, large bird had taken her wings and had done this over the, the, the babies and when he took the carcass and kicked it out of the trail, that live baby chicks started running everywhere. And he said, this was the picture of what Jesus was talking about. I, I, I want to put you under my wings to protect you for what is coming and what's coming, fire. Uh, and and so, so again, that's, that's the importance of the will. So Jerry goes on to say, we need to know how our wills function. See, if, we're gonna, if you're ever going to learn something and correct something, you've got to figure it out. You've got to understand it. He said, above all else, we must learn how to bring our wills into submission and obedience, what? To the will of God on a practical, daily, hour-by-hour hour basis. And that flew all over me because the reality is this, guys. As long as we're in this fallen state, as long as we live in this fallen world, we've never arrived and I think what happens to too many men, you remember the last study we had about finishing strong, is we tend to think, I'm good. I got it. And, and see, this is the thing 
that has to be applied. You have to literally get up to start the day and say, today I take these steps to continue to be under the authority of Christ because even though my salvation and redemption is done, my sanctification is something that must be worked out. That's why Paul, I remember the first time I saw Paul say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I'm like, what? Well, Jesus accomplishes my salvation. Well, yeah, he, he does. But what he's saying, what he's talking about is, but as long as you're in that fallen flesh and as long as you're in this fallen world, Sin's ability to touch you is still there. You're not under the reign of it anymore like we talked about. And when we sin, we choose to sin as free people because we can't make an excuse that we couldn't help it anymore. And also the, one of the most misinterpreted uh, uh, verses in the Bible, it was misinterpreted by a friend of mine just the other day, you know, God never gives you more than you can handle. Uh, you ever heard that? Bad theology? No, what Paul says in the letter to Corinth, he says, you can't make an excuse that you sinned because temptation, the temptation of the sin was so powerful, there was nothing you could do. What he said was there's never any temptation that is so strong that God can't deliver you from it. Amen. You can't make the excuse. If God never gives us more than we can handle, why do we need God? I got news for you. I'm going to raise my hand. I've always been given more than I can handle. That's the reason why I'm totally dependent on God. That's why we were just talking about it at lunch a minute ago. I've learned, like Paul, to celebrate my weakness because the fact that God has always shown me that I got more than I can handle, that's when I said, well, that's why I'm going to need you to handle it. Okay? And so there's never... Now, if you want to say God never... There's never anything that comes your way that's too big for God to handle? Absolutely. We can say amen to that. But I got news for you. God always allows things that you can't handle. But He does not allow temptation to be so strong that you can excuse sin. That's what Paul was talking about. So let's clarify that, please. And because of that, if we want to be ready for the battle of the flesh and the spirit, then we have to continue to take our will, our desires, where all the choices take place, and to put it completely under the authority of our Lord and Savior. One of the reasons why I was a, was a cultural Christian and was headed straight to hell is I'd never submitted to, to the Lord's will. I just said, please give me your grace. But I didn't repent of anything. And I didn't change anything about me. I, I did not submit to his authority, as James pointed out to me in his wonderful uh, letter uh, to, to the church about submitting to the authority of Christ. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, uh, Romans 10, 9 and 10. In the Bible, the heart, and you know, you ever talk about that, give your heart to Jesus and these kind of things. The reason why in the Bible, when you see in English, many times, not every time, but in general, the heart denotes all the faculties of the soul as they work together and doing good or evil. The, the, when, when you say the heart in the Bible, it usually is talking about the mind, the emotions, the conscience, and the will. That, that's what it means. All that needs to come under the authority of Jesus. Have you ever? Under, I remember when I was a little kid when you heard somebody say, "Give your heart to Jesus." What, what, is, what do you mean? You know, it, and 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 I understood the concept, but now as I get older, I realize what we're saying is, "Give to Jesus, repent, and then come under the authority of Jesus." And, and now He controls your mind. He controls your emotions. The Holy Spirit is your conscience, and the will becomes God's will, not your own. Does that make sense? Okay. So let's, let's talk a little bit because this next part is super important. And this was one of those things. Sherry and I just talked about this again last night. We got fired up about it. So the fall changed the way God intended us to be. Everybody with me on that? And th that includes what we're talking about today. Okay? That's why it has to be fixed by the redemption of Christ. So it says, the faculties were all implanted in a man's soul by God, meaning they were there and they were in the right order and they were where they were supposed to be. But all were corrupted through man's fall in the Garden of Eden. Our reason, our understanding was darkened. Put this verse down, those of you who are taking notes. Remember what I said, the cheapest pen is better than the greatest memory. Put down, put down Ephesians 4.18. Uh, Paul talks about this in his letter to Ephesus that our reasoning, our understanding was darkened. Our desires were entangled, staying in Ephesians. Ephesians 2, 3 explains that. You got, you with me? 
our wills were perverted. John 5, 40. John 5, 40. But with the new birth, our reason again is enlightened, our affections and desires redirected, and our wills subdued. But though this is true, it is not true all at once. This is important. In actual experience, it is a growing process. We are told by Paul in Romans 12, 2, write that down, 12, 2. We are told what? To renew our minds, to set our affections on things above. That's Colossians 3, 1. Write that down when you talk about your affections. And to submit our wills to God. I just mentioned that one in James 4, 7, the verse that was used by God to save my life. So we're submitting our will to God's will. And he says, now when God originally created man, the reason, this, this, man, this, this, was, this was my big takeaway this week. I love this because this, this is like a, one of those light bulb moments. When God originally created man, the reason, the emotions, and the will all worked the way they were supposed to, in perfect harmony. Reason led the way in understanding the will of God. The will consented to God's will. And the emotions, which underline that, the emotions delighted in doing it. So what happened when we were created is, you know, we were thinking and reasoning as God. Our will became under the authority of His will. And the emotions, which God created, the emotions, instead of being against God, our desire was always what? To worship Him and glorify Him. That was, we were delighted in God's will. But with the entrance of sin into man's soul, these three faculties begin to work at cross purposes to one another and to God. So true. The will has become stubborn and rebellious and will not consent to that which reason knows to be the will of God. Or more commonly, the emotions get the upper hand and draw away both reason and will from obedience to God. While the will is the ultimate determiner of all choices, it is influenced in its choices by the strongest forces that bear upon it. Now, let me put that now in C student Calhoun County. If you really want to take it and, and oversimplify it, before we became sinners, we did not lead with our emotions. We led with our reasoning, what we know to be true. And then second... Our will was to be under the authority of God's will. And then our emotions delighted in who God was and did not question Him. But when sin entered the garden and we fell, this perfect harmony of the way God intended these things to work and the human beings that He created went crazy and emotion and desire began to rule the day. And now emotion being in third place puts itself up in first place. Anybody believe that's not going on? Look around at human beings today. Everybody leads with emotion. And the sad part about it is the emotions that God, when God created the complexity of a human being, one of the weakest parts of us is our emotions. Now, we're still emotional people, but we weren't supposed to be led by our emotions. And, and see, people are always want God to deal with them in their emotions, but the problem is that's not a very stable place. And, and we've talked about this a lot because emotionally, I can go from the highest of high, I am having a good day, I'm loving this day, 280 traffic. <laughs> I hate this day, I hate these people, I hate everything right now. I can get hot. Sherry told me the, the trip, they just got back, back, back from SLU where we had record heat in London and in, in France and the rooms there because they usually don't have the kind of heat we have here weren't air conditioned. And she said, I'm so glad that God kept you off this trip. She said, you would have had a complete meltdown on this trip. She said, this trip would have been the worst. You, you would, she said, we would like be repairing relationships now that we're back. And, uh, and, so, and so I was thankful that I was not there. And um, so anyway, but so, so let me kind of put this together. The point is to emphasize and enable us to understand the interaction of the mind, emotions, and will. While the will is that ultimate determiner, determiner as we just said, and I want to go back to that last thing we said, what does it mean when I say it's influenced in its choices by the strongest force brought to bear upon it? Now, these forces, 
come from a variety of sources. So you think the, the will is going to be affected by these things, and here they are. First of all, the will is, is affected, and we've covered this a good bit, but I think we should do it again, and that is subtle suggestions. Subtle suggestions. What? Just these little suggestions, you know, that come from either our flesh, they come from demons, they come from, you know, if you're really out there, maybe Satan himself, and, and, and see what it is, if you look at Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, you see that Satan has now, because of the fall, Satan, Satan tricked, uh, you know, Eve. And what, where did he trick her? In her desires. Look at the tree. Look at the fruit. It is desirable. And so he plays on those desires. We fall, and if you, you have your Bible or something, your Bible on it, look, look what uh, Paul says um, in, in, in Ephesians in, in uh, chapter 2, 1 and 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Now he's talking about that Jesus has delivered us. Following, meaning this is the way we used to be. Following the course of this world, following what? The prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So he's talking about what happens when something we got delivered from by Jesus. He's telling the Ephesians, hey, you can't be the way you once were. Why? Because now through, you know, by grace, through faith, Jesus has redeemed you and you were once dead. We're not anymore. Once dead in your trespasses and once you walked the course of the world, which is run by the prince of the air, Satan. This is Satan's domain. So what we can't let happen is for Satan to come back and, and, and say to us, you're still this way. Come back over to the world systems. Come back over to where I rule. Just a subtle suggestion. You know, and, and, and think about this. I've said this before. I said this, um, uh, gotten to, getting to speak to some men over the last couple of weekends, and, and, and I could tell... So it can go either way. I could tell the Holy Spirit was, was rolling. The Holy Spirit was pressing on us. I could feel it. I, I, think, I, th I think Gabriel could feel it. Uh, all of us were feeling it. And I said, so right now, Satan is not going to be anything other than subtle. Your flesh right now has to go into a subtle mode. Uh, the forces of darkness have to go subtle. Why? It's too obvious that God is here right now. So what's an example of that? All right. So he's not going to tell you God doesn't exist because that looks foolish right now. He's not even going to tell you that the, the stuff you just heard from the Word of God is calling for you to change. He can't do that right now. It's too powerful. So what's his subtle move? He'll even let you go, I need to change. But then what does he, what does he do? Just not today. We fall for just not today. We fall for at some point I need to. See, most of you in this room... You're too far along for, Jason, for, for Satan, for the flesh, and for the, for the demons to play anything at you that's obvious. So he's got to do things like delay. I need to address this sin in my life at some point. Just not today. Man, I really need to go on that mission trip. I know I need to, but not this year. Maybe next year. Man, I need to talk to that guy that's in my life that God's placed here. I need to talk to him, and, and you know, we keep going and doing stuff together, and I just don't... And I'm at one... Hey, one day I'm going to bring up my faith. Just not today. And see, he can just not today you all day long as long as your emotions are easily pushed around. That's the reason why we can't lead with emotion. You know, it, it's... Uh, and, and so that's one of the ways that he gets us. What's the other one that's a little more straightforward? And that's evil enticement. It's another thing that bears down on, on, the, on, on, our, uh, on our wheels. Look at, look at uh, James 1.14. Now, we talked about this a lot, but I'm going to emphasize it again because if you're like me, I need, rep, I need repetition. So what does James tell us about the reason why our wills get defeated? Your own simple desires. Look at what he says in 1.14. We covered this back when we did this study, but some of you weren't here. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. So, so we can certainly have subtle suggestions from Satan, from demons, 
that, that press on our will, subtle. I'm trying to get you to go a different way. I'm trying to play on your devotions. I mean, on your emotions. But the other one is we just give in and entice our own sinful desires. Why did you look at that when you knew you shouldn't have? I just wanted to. In this moment, I felt like lust was, was something I'd rather do today than to be holy. You know, I just, I just wanted to. So, so why did you, on that business deal, when you went to turn in what you were supposed to do, why did you fudge a little bit on that? I just wanted to. Why, when you were given too much change, didn't you take it back? I just thought it was kind of cool to have 10 extra dollars. It's their fault. It's their mistake. Those little things that you go, I'll tell you why I did it. I just wanted to. Why did you withhold the tithe? Because I wanted to keep it. And, and, that, and that's the thing. See, if, if we get to the point where we, we take our will and say, I am under the authority of God, my will is not going to be controlled by my sinful desires, and my will is not going to be defeated and tricked by subtle suggestions from the evil one. That's when we'll actually see something change. Now, what are some things that also help us with the will? So we, don't y'all want to, well, we talked about things that can hurt us. Let's talk about the things that can help us. Your conscience. W w what about your conscience? What about the Holy Spirit is so powerful, you, your will is bending to it because it's so powerful. How does the Holy Spirit become so pow powerful that it'll bend your will? It's got to be fed. The power's there. We talked about it all the time. Remember the light bulb analogy? The light bulb has, has the ability to illuminate all kinds of light, but you've got to screw it in and connect it with what? The power. Every one of us, once we've been redeemed, as we've said, we can't excuse sin in our life because, again, we're, we can never say the Holy Spirit was just so inept. The power of God in my spirit is so just not capable of delivering me or giving me the power to be obedient. Well, yes, it is. Jesus said if we love him, we're obedient to him. So that's one way that can help that the Holy Spirit, I mean, let me give you that one. That's helped me the most. Is I, I can't tell you, I've been through situations just since the last time we were together where I was saying, all right, big moment right here. And the Holy Spirit was so powerful that I didn't, I didn't act. I didn't go the way of sin. Not because I was so wonderful or have great, great self-control. I literally was, was felt so uncomfortable with doing it, I didn't do it. And, 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 then, and then the other is what? Accountability from a friend. Woo! <sighs> You go spend time. You, I hope you have those friends that you go, oh, gosh, here he comes. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, you know, you, you get that text. I have them, like, for the show because trying to walk that line of in the world, not of the world. You know, we'll veer off. I'll look down. Hey, I don't want to go Stern. Will we Howard Stern now? I'm like, oh, boy. So, 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 so you also got to have accountability and have those people, uh, whether hopefully it's your wife and hopefully uh, if you don't have a wife, it's friends. Hopefully you have a wife, you have friends as well. So we have our conscience. We've got the prompting of the Holy Spirit. We have accountability for, from a friend. Listen, place those things and feed those things because those bear upon the will as well. That's the counteract going back the other way. Whatever they are, they reach our wills through either our reason or our emotion. So however your will is going to be attacked, whatever's coming in, positive or negative, it, the door it's going to enter into your will through is going to be your reason, as you reason things out, or it's going to be through your emotions. Protect your emotions. Protect your emotions. Protect your emotions. We must guard what enters our minds and what influences our emotions. Solomon says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. That's Proverbs 4.23. But again, we have to think to ourselves, why do you think Solomon's telling us this? Eh, he knows. He certainly knows. I heard the book of Ecclesiastes the other day called something that I, that I think I'm going to adopt. Solomon's Book of Repentance. 
Solomon says, I'm about to repent of all the garbage that I participated in. And at the end, I'm going to tell you that your whole role is to fear God and do what he says. It's the whole role of man. I've tried everything. I, he's sitting there. You think he doesn't know what it's like uh, to not guard his heart? It says, guard your minds and emotions. And then it says, if you will guard your mind and you'll guard your emotions and you'll guard what enters it. Listen, if you get to the point to where anything you're letting enter your mind and enter your emotions, if somebody said as a follower of Christ, how can you let this enter it in and you can't explain it or justify it, then probably the answer needs to be, well, the answer is I shouldn't have. Explain to me how a Christian lets this in. I don't know. I have no explanation. I guess I shouldn't have. Because those things, listen, I'm going to tell you this as clear as I can tell you. And I fight it and I fight it and I fight it. And as I become sanctified, these things, there are things that have been removed from my memory. Praise the Lord. But I can tell you, if I allow myself to veer, I bet I couldn't have been more than, than, than 11 or 12 years old. And I can remember what an older boy showed me in a magazine that he had hit out in the woods. I can still see it. I'm 54 years old, and I can still see it. See, see that's how important this stuff is. And, and it says, if you'll clean out this clutter, I love this. Think about, think about you ever been, see, I, I, I'm getting where my hearing's going bad. I, I'm sure that wearing headphones for the last 30 years, that's wonderful for my hearing. And I'm getting where, like Sherry will say things like, somebody's left the refrigerator open. And I, how do you know? How do I know? You don't hear it? You don't hear the beeping of the refrigerator? I go, I have no idea what you're talking about. So there's certain frequencies that are already gone. So have you noticed that when these frequencies go away, what's one, you ever had anybody try to tell you something and you're in a noisy room, you're like, I can't, I can't hear you. What? What? And, and you, cause you, there's other people talking and there's stuff going on. Well, what, what Jerry is saying is you got to be able to respond to the Holy Spirit clearly. So clean out the clutter. Remove this stuff that doesn't compete for the Holy Spirit. Now, we started off talking about Philippians and, and, uh, and Philippians 2. So I want to re revisit that again because this ties into this part. Look at Philippians 2, but this time I'm going to go with, with 12 and 13. Philippians 2, not just 12, but 13 as well. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence... But, um, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So he's saying, all right, guys, I, look, you, you've done well while I was there. You've got to continue, continue to do well while I'm in jail. And he says, why? Because you need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You know what it says? It's God who's trying to change your will. And he's not going to change it if you don't approach God with fear and trembling. Hey, can, can any author, authoritative figure change your life if you ain't afraid of them? Or don't respect them? Or don't fear any consequences? I told you about my dad, who was very good at this. When he went to, to coach uh, college from high school, he was asked, Coach Burgess, how are you going to do this? You don't, you don't have a high school program anymore. These kids don't know you. They're coming from Chicago. They're coming from down in South Florida. Some are coming from gangs. You're a Division II coach with a partial qualifier, meaning if you're a good player and you can't get in Division I school, you could play one year at Division II school no matter what your grades were or what happened to you. You're also getting players who have been kicked off Division I teams. They still want their shot at the NFL. How are you going to come in as a high school coach and run this program? You don't have any experience with this. You know what my dad said? It's the same step it's always been. Fear. Fear. Until they fear me, I'll never be able to invest in them. I make sure that no matter where you come from, you're afraid of me. And if you're afraid of me, then, then probably you can buy into what we're doing here and it'll change your life. And I've run into man after man after man. I remember going to fly somewhere with you, Brooks, who's running the camera. And I don't know if you remember this. We're flying somewhere. I don't know where we're going. And there was a man standing there, and he said, Burgess. Yes. 
Do y'all know Coach Bill Burgess? Yes, this is his grandson. I'm his son. We'll take care of you today because your dad was used to save my life. I was in a gang when I showed up at Jacksonville State University, had no father, and your dad would not tolerate my behavior, and he taught me how to grow up to be a man. So y'all be taken care of today, which was kind of cool. I mean, you know, first class is kind of cool. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, but, but anyway, the point was, but, but see, people, we can't change if we don't fear, Amen. if we don't fear authority. He says, well, God's going to change your will. God's going to change your desires. Well, not if you're not afraid of him, he won't. You don't have any respect for him. You don't, you don't have him in all, which is why we've eradicated from our group what? The big man upstairs. That's over. We don't, we don't talk about the great I am like he's a cartoon figure. So how do we guard our minds and our emotions? Here's what David said in Psalms 119 verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? David knows, doesn't he? By living according to your word. I know, you knew we were going to get there again, didn't you? Can't get around, you got to know the Word of God. Amen. I know, I know. I remember my early days of becoming a Christian. I just wish the preachers would stop talking about me needing to know the Bible because in order to know the Bible, I was going to have to read it. And in order to read the Bible, I was going to have to learn it. And I didn't like homework. I've never liked homework. My parents were amazed. She said, I never saw anybody go through an entire 12-year school system and never bring a book home. Do y'all not have books? <laughs> and so really, if you think about it, me being a C student was impressive since I was a C student with no study habits. I never studied. And, and uh, so really, if you think about it, I guess nowadays you could upgrade me to maybe an A student. If, you know, if I'd have studied and prepared, no telling what I could have done. But see, you can't be a C student when it comes to Jesus and the Word of God. What did we say last week? Men have always participation trophies. You know, we make all fun of them. And I do make fun of them. I don't like a participation trophy. But, it, but a lot of the same men that will make fun of that expect Jesus to give them one. And uh, I even had somebody, when I put that out yesterday on social media, what do you mean by that? Well, I said, here's what I mean. Uh... <laughs> What I mean is, certainly, salvation is something that's totally done. That's a gift from God. But when it comes for what you do with that gift, I mean, are you going to live, die the way Paul died, saying, I've run the race, I've fought the fight, I will receive the crown of righteousness from my Lord and Savior? Are you going to be the kind of guy that, like Paul says, I shouldn't even be an apostle and the only thing that's anything good about me is by the grace that has been given to me by Jesus. But His grace will not be in vain. He's going to get a return. Amen. And God's powerful enough to change us in every way. So if we want to, the, one of the things that will help us get our minds and our emotions under control is the Word of God. Amen. The Bible speaks to us primarily through our reason. That's why it's so important. And this is why it, 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 it's vitally important for our minds to be constantly brought under the influence of God's revelation about Himself. Amen. What did I talk to you that day? All of you that have business, ever been in the leadership? And you, and you said, I'm going to put together exactly what I want you all to know. And as soon as everybody shows up for the meeting, you know, didn't nobody read it. Is there anything more frustrating for people to ask you a question at a meeting that you sent them and what they were supposed to read to be at the meeting? Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you about so-and-so. You were talking about what I covered in the email I sent everybody? I thought we were going to talk. Now we're supposed to discuss what you all already know. Do I really? Think about the writer of Hebrews. Remember how frustrated the writer of Hebrews was? Do I really have to go back and go through the basic oracles of God again? Some of you should be teaching by now. And the writer of Hebrews is frustrated. He says, but I can't do it. I've got to come back in here again, and I've got to bring the milk out again because you can't handle solid food. I love when he says, some of you should be teachers by now, and I have to keep coming back to the basic oracles of God. Well, see, if you, you know, it's like we say, I've, I say a lot with men's ministry, and men should respond to this. Yes, we come to faith in Jesus as a child. With that kind of faith, the faith of a child. Jesus talks about this when he brings the child, which was so counterculture, and puts it at the center of everybody's attention. He says, this is, this is who receives the kingdom. Anybody who does not receive me as a child will never enter the kingdom of heaven. 
But then everything changes. We, we, we receive him with the faith of a child, but we don't live a life as a spiritual child. You've got to come from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity so you can be effective for the kingdom. Not to earn your salvation, but in obedience to the call of salvation. Somebody say amen. And how do you learn that the most? The Word of God. It's supernatural, bad study habit people. If you don't believe that God still does miracles, I study the Bible. That's a miracle. That is a miracle. That is, I, that is not me. It's not even close to me. But you know why I study it? Because I love it. I love it. Because it has radically changed my life and it tells me everything I need to know about everything. And I found that I was usually pretty good at everything that I cared about. Meaning, I found out everything I wanted to know about it. Y'all have heard me do that example a lot of times. You know why? Because it's a good one. There's absolutely no shortcut to holiness that bypasses or gives little priority to the consistent intake of the Bible. Look at Proverbs 2, 10 through 12. Wisdom, understanding, and discretion will guard us from, the, from every evil way. So where do we find wisdom? Where do we find understanding? Where do we find discretion? All in the Word of God. These are qualities of the mind. So how do we acquire these qualities that we just talked about? Where do we get wisdom? Where do we get discretion? How, how do we acquire these qualities? From the Lord. Proverbs 2.6, For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. But to whom does the Lord give these qualities? So if you have uh, your Bible, let's go to Proverbs. So it, sa it says that the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth comes, comes uh, knowledge and understanding. But to whom does it say the Lord will actually give those qualities? Not everybody just walks up and says, Jesus, give me these qualities. You know why? Because He doesn't just give them to anybody. So if you have Proverbs, uh, let's go to 2 again. And we're going to go through 1 through 5. If you have your Bible, let's look. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth. Uh, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So who does he give it to? He gives it to those who treasure up the commandments and consider them to be worth something. He gives it to the person who bends their ear to be attentive and is inclining to hear. I'm, I'm wanting to hear from God. He gives it what? For those who raise the voice for understanding and seek that understanding and seek that knowledge. I look at this. As if you were searching for a hidden treasure. He also gives it to people. Here we go again. Who what? Who understand and fear the Lord. I understand that I should fear the Lord. I get it. Do you love this promise? Seek me and you'll find me. You realize that God never takes our commitment to seeking. And he goes, well, you sought me today, but I give you nothing. No, he promises that if we seek him, all these things will be given to us. He, he will reveal himself to us. He's not hiding from us. So if you don't know God that well and you're not that intimate with God, it's simply because you haven't put the effort in to getting to know Him. He said it's obvious that the, that the, the protective influence of the Word of God comes as a result of diligent, prayerful, and purposeful intake of Scripture. I've got to have, I'm, I'm purposeful, I'm prayerful, and I'm diligent. And he said, now that will guard your minds. He said, but if you want your mind to be guarded, you have to give priority to the Bible. And I want to ask you this. If you left your Bible at church on Sunday, how deep in the week do we get before you know it's gone? Next Sunday. That's not good. <laughs> I hope that by the time you get home that night or maybe you get up Monday morning, you know that you don't have it. Right? 
And I, you know what I've noticed as a person, as a person who did this for years. And I told you, when I came to know Christ, I had more Bibles than I knew Bible verses. I tried sitting it somewhere in the house and sitting next to it. And I just, I keep trying to, to get it just to come. It just don't work. I actually have to pick it up and I actually have to get in it. Okay. Now, now if, you, if you want, like me, you know what started it though? Listening. If that's better for you, that's great. The technology we have today, you can ride for hours listening to the Word of God. Amen. There's, there, I mean, you can, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's an app. The Holy Mobile. <laughs> I mean, you, you, can pull, you can pull the Bible up and you can pick, you can have, look, if you want to hear the King James Version spoken to you in an English accent, you can do it. Whatever you want. And then you can listen, and God will never return void your effort to hear from His Word. Amen. Amen. And when you know it, what? You're able to say a verse when something bad happens. Oh, then we'll hold on. Right? Oh, I know what the Word says about this. Everything we need to know is there. Guarding our emotions. God must, this is the second part, so we've got to get our mind right. And now guarding our emotions. God most often appeals to our wills through our wills through our reason. Sin and Satan usually appeal to us through what? Our desires. So God is, that's what I said a minute ago about people think God deals in emotions. No, Satan deals in emotions. God often appeals to our wills through our reason. God says, I'm going to teach you how to reason these things out. And then Satan says, no, just do whatever you feel. You ever hear that before? See, logic is what, is what we need. We, need. we need reasoning and logic from God. If you deal with things emotionally... I don't know about y'all. How many times do you really feel like doing the right thing? It happens sometimes. But most of the times when I call for the emotions to say, emotions, I'm putting you in charge today for us to get closer to God and continue our sanctification. And the emotions say, ah, I don't really feel like it. Hey, emotions, like I talked about two weeks ago, I'd like to do better today. Help me feel like eating healthier and exercising. Yeah. Let's eat more ice cream and just lay around. Hey, emotions help me to, to love people and treat people the way I want to be treated. No, I'm mad at them. Why do you want to, why do you want to treat them well? Look, look what they said to you. It's perfectly natural to be mad at them. I know it's naturally wrong. See, the last thing we want to do is what comes natural. We want to, come, we want to do what comes supernatural. From the spirit, Amen. not from the flesh. The flesh. Every time I go flesh, it's always wrong. Amen. Always wrong. And I mean, and, and God has protected me for that when I decide to actually submit to Him. And He says, when we talk about Eve, we talked about how she was. She her. See, Eve certainly was attacked in her reasoning. But the main thing that Satan did, he did get her to question God. So that was the reasoning. You know, God's integrity, why He's withholding this from you. But primarily. He tempted Eve through desire. Because what, the, what does the Bible tell us? When she looked, the tree was good for, uh, for, for food, and it was a delight to the eyes, and it says, and desirable for making one wise. So ultimately, her emotions and her desires were tricked by Satan. So knowing this, we must protect and watch over our desires constantly. We must take preventative actions. Paul urged Timothy to flee the evil desires of youth. Guys, we don't just play defense. Remember we talking about that? You got to go on offense. Okay? If, if you want, like, like for instance, I think I told you all this. When I had, um, I know this is not good TV here, but I'm about to step on this. Uh, so this is my shoe being untied for those of you listening. So when I got the deal as a, as a radio host, to, and there's so many more things now, but this was just when cable, it was either brought, it was either cable or no cable. And the cable company called me and said, hey, you're one of our endorsers, so you get everything. I said, no, thank you. Why? I, I just, I don't want all those channels. Just, you know, I'm going to have enough trouble with the basic cable. There's enough, there's enough smut out there on basic cable. I don't need Skinamax. I don't need HBO. I don't need all that. Well, you get all of it for free. Don't want it. Oh, you must have children in your home. Well, you know, we have parental protection. No, 
I'm not worried about my children. Not certainly a concern. I'm worried about me. And the person was like, what? No, I'll watch it. That's why I don't want it in here. So one way to make sure I didn't watch the porn on Cinemax is what? Not to have it. Not to have it. That's one way. Hey, you know, you know what? You know one way not to keep drinking? Don't have it in your house. You know one way not to make a mistake with a woman who's not your wife? Stop hanging around them. Flee. Action. I, I'm going on offense. Guys, the, when it comes to sin, everybody's defense is not the best part of their team. My defense is so strong, I'm putting myself in terrible situations because I'm so strong. My defense is awesome. Next thing you know, Satan's laughing going, we're going to score you every time. <laughs> you have never stopped these same plays. I've killed more men. Do you think sometimes Satan just gets bored and goes, all right, it's third and long. Bring the women out. <laughs> Touchdown! You know what I mean? And I mean, it's like, hey, third and long. Bring the bring the money out. Bring the arrogance. Bring the success. Bring all that out. Bring, bring ego out. He can't stop it. So what? We play offense. We don't put ourselves in these situations. Take an aggressive offensive approach. Colossians 3.1, write that down. Colossians 3.1, I think we've already mentioned it. Paul directs us to set our hearts on things above. Yes, we, are, we have done that. So that's aggressive, meaning, well, my thoughts are not going to be on things that shouldn't be there. I'm always going to be thinking about where I'm, I'm setting it on God. Listen, I know this sounds a bit corny, but man, it works. If you get to the point that you know whatever you're exposing yourself to, you're also exposing Jesus to, it is a game changer. Because I'm telling you, I've been at home by myself. Everybody's gone. I'm tired. Hey, man, I'm tired. I deserve. I'm going to sit around. And you sit around, and you start flipping that channel. And you know what you think? A wife will never know. Not being a bad example to my kids. They're not here. None of my buddies are here. I'm not going to fail them. And then you go, but Jesus Christ is sitting right next to me. You know what Jesus says? I'm still here. How, how little respect are you showing me right now? I'm still here. You don't go anywhere that I don't go with you if you're redeemed by me. And if you'll keep that in mind, I promise you, that's setting your thoughts on things above. I love this. Psalms 1 verse 2. Write that down. Delight in the law of God. Have you gotten to that point? Can, can, we, can we stop acting like, what, what, does, what does the Bible tell us about God's standard? They're not burdensome. Amen. I think some of us walk around as if God's standard is a burden to us. It's a delight. It's a pleasure. It's the answer. It's the deliverance. We should celebrate being in God's perfect will. We should celebrate His commandments. Amen. You know why? They're right. How many of you have gone against God's commandments and it went bad? <laughs> My hand's up. Ha! Maybe God knew what He was talking about. God picked up clay and He... Breathed life into us, and somehow we think we've got more wisdom than he does on the way he says to do things. Delight in it. Psalms 40, verse 8. We've got a lot to talk about today, don't we? I like this. Now, this is a prophecy actually about Jesus. So Jesus was coming, and what, what, did, what did the psalmist say about Jesus? Jesus says this, I delight to do thy will. What did Jesus say? Look, I'm here for one thing, to do the will of my Father. And I delight in it. Have you gotten to the point yet that you de you're delighting in being in the middle of God's will? I promise you, there's no better place on earth because I've been in His will, I've been outside His will. And I'll tell you one thing, to be in His will is the only thing that has any lasting power. Right. A peace, right? Yeah. We're at peace. I think that, uh, you know, Gabriel has been here with us from France. And I asked him, I said, what do you think that you see different? You know, he said, well, in this part of the country, he said, people don't seem to be as stressful as Europeans. But he's in, he's in a part where he's been around because he's been stuck, stuck with us. Most of the people he's around or most of the people he spends time with are followers of Jesus. So really what he's seeing is just peace. 
from followers of Jesus. If, if he went to other parts of the city or hung out with somewhere, he may not see that same thing. What he's seeing is people who are at peace because of Christ. And so we, we set our desires on spiritual things and we delight in the will of God. We do not delight in our will. Let me tell you why I don't delight in my will. It always got me in trouble. Hey, Rick, do whatever you want to do. Okay. Rick, what do you want to do? Rick, anything you want. We're up for anything. Rick, what do you want to do? I don't know. Rick, what do you want to do? I think we do whatever we want. And you know what that led to? Trouble. There was no delight in that. Normally, our reason, wills, and emotions should work in that order. Write them down the way they should be. Reason, will, and then emotion. But many times we reverse that order. And, and then, you know what we do then? Then we, then we take desire and, and, and we let it run us when we should take our desire, what, and direct it toward God. Sometimes the greatest motivator are the success stories of those that have been transformed, right? If you want to be motivated... Look to people who Jesus has changed their life. Look to people who God has changed their life. I told you about this new devotional that we have. That's one of the pictures we got here. These, these men are in here, eight men picked out of the Bible to motivate us. Let, let's see what they went through. You know, he talked about when he was trying to start an exercise program, and he said the thing that motivated him the most was not his understanding that it would be good, about, it would be good for him, but he also said what really motivated him is to see how it impacted other people. I have examples do we not always look for that in any product? What do you, I get this all the time. Rick, that product y'all talked about, straight up. Does that work? <laughs> and so what I was saying about it on the air didn't do it. What they wanted to know is what? Did it work? So when, if people watch you and they watch me, do they see that the product, Jesus, works? Does being under the will of God work? Is it something they should desire? Yeah, I, I, I hope so. And uh, so if you, you look at other people, it says also, he say, uh, you know, when I think about this, he says um, other things that we need to do is to continue to look at the things that we've been called to do. Stay back with the basics. I thought about the book Calvary Road. Calvary Road is one of those things I know somebody uh, that is dear to me and has had great influence over my life, and they take Roy Hessian's book, Calvary Road, and they read it every year. It's not a long book. It doesn't take very long. And the reason why is this is a book that reminds us all that if you want to continue to have revival in your life or in the church, then stay away from sin. Sin always stops revival. It stops revival in a church. Think about how many times you said, this church is rolling until what? Sin. Somebody has a major fall, pastor falls, worship leader falls, something happens. And as soon as it happens, church, what, splits? And then people start running off everywhere in chaos. So that book teaches us, here's how you live your life where sin doesn't stop your revival. That's probably a pretty good source alongside the Bible to, to read every year. But whatever it is, Oswald Chambers is me. I read my utmost for his highest every year. And, uh, and I, you know, I don't have a good enough memory to remember it every time, so I always like to be reminded of it. I put that alongside the Word of God. So God works in us to will and act accordingly to His good purpose. But we are expressly told by Paul in the verse we started with to work at it ourselves as well. We have to put the effort in. Our responsibility regarding our wills is to guard our minds and emotions, being aware of what influences our minds and stimulates our desires as we do our part, we will see the Spirit of God do His part in making us more holy. So what's our responsibility regarding our wills? Guard our minds and emotions. Be aware of what influences you positively and negatively. And how about this? Be aware of what stimulates your desires in the wrong direction and you stay away from those things. And the things that stimulate your desires in the right direction, then you embrace those things. And then if we're willing to do those simple things, and do our part, the Spirit of God comes in and He says, now you've set up an environment that I can continue to make you more holy. Yes. Yes. You've taken all the clutter between you and me away and we're on the same page. Yes. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this message. Thank you for the, 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 the commitment, Lord, that you have called us to. Yes. 
And this is not out of legalism, not a, a, a code of conduct. You're just saying, look, I'm the power. Stay connected to me. Don't let your sinful flesh run you. I've delivered you from its power. I've delivered you from its slavery. You now belong, Lord, we belong to you. So we live like we truly believe that and we, and we seek you and we are diligent for you to give us the power only you provide to make us the people that only you can make us and to make us something that you're more comfortable with. That's holy as opposed to us constantly asking you to become something we're more comfortable with. May we, may we never have that attitude anymore. Bring us the conviction and the affirmation that we so desire. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Well, come on back. Hit another one next. We're rolling now. We're almost done. Hey, this is Rick, and that concludes this week's Bible study. Thank you so much for being with us. If you'd like to go back and hear other Bible studies or maybe some that you've missed even in this series, you can find them by clicking the media button at BurgessMinistries.com.